Welcome to Life Center Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and our church, visit lifecenternyc.com. Thank you, Megan. Good morning, everyone. It's good to be with you today. I'm going to pray a second time because we're a house of prayer. (laughs) I promise I won't pray the whole message um, just to start. So, Father, I just thank you. I thank you for for speaking, for moving today. I thank you, Lord, for your word that's cutting through hearts today. We We welcome you, Holy Spirit. Come and cut. Come and come and reveal the knowledge, the understanding of your will today, Lord. We want to understand your redemptive plan for the earth and for our lives. So we thank you, Lord. We welcome you, Holy Spirit, to come. Have your way in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so today I'm going to be talking um, about peace. And it's a little different twist, so it's going to be part three of a series that I started, I guess, a month or so ago. And this is the third component, and I'll, I'll give you the last two just in case you missed them. And I encourage you to go back and listen to them if you haven't heard them, because they do kind of build on each other in some sense. Um, so I, I started this series talking about how Jesus brings us peace, Jesus himself brings us peace in three different ways. And there's many more than that, but these are the three that I've picked. Um, the first way, he brings us peace by giving us peace between God and man. So you and I have peace with God. We can sit here and sing and worship and and connect with his heart only because a man, a Jewish man named Jesus, came on the earth and shed his blood for our sins. If not for that, we can't even sit here and worship. We can't even hear him. We can't connect with him. We can't be with him in eternity if Jesus does not pay the price. Not only that, not only die, but to get resurrected again for our sins. He bears the sin of all mankind for those who will receive him. And so that is why he is our peace, our individual peace, all right? Number two, I talked about this last time, he brings peace between us and God, but he also brings peace between us and one another, between the nations of the earth, between you and your brother and sister in Christ. In Jesus, he brings peace. So if you're in Christ and there's another brother or sister in this room, you have peace with one another. You don't have to be in a place of hostility towards each other because Christ, our peace, lives and dwells in each each and every one of us. And so the spirit of God in you and the spirit of God in them, we're united and we cannot be hostile towards each other because we have one father. And he says, hey kids, like cool it out. I love you and you're in the same family. And, and so I talked about that some last time. Today I wanna talk about the third component of peace that I see in the scriptures. He brings peace between the world and God. He, he reconciles all things, it says, on heaven and on earth back to God. So there's, there's something different there than what I've talked about the previous two times. Because before we're talking about individual souls, people, we're talking about communal, like the body of Christ together, peace there. But now I'm talking about reconciling the entire, everything on the earth and in heaven back to God. It's different. Do you catch the difference? There's a difference there. And it's an important distinction. So I'm going to get into that some today. But I want to open up with this question. What is your view of how things are going in the earth? Where is the earth going? It's open-ended. Where is the earth going? What, what is happening right now? What, what, what is your view of the end times? What, what do you think is going to be the, the culmination of, of history and this planet? Where are things headed? 
Now, the Bible has a lot of things to say about it, but you and I have our own ideas, some of them biblically informed, some of them not, but we have our own ideas. And I guarantee you, whatever the answer is, whether you know it or not, it drives your behavior right now. It drove your behavior this morning when you woke up and took the subway or drove here, and it's going to drive your behavior later today. How you think things are going changes how you respond in the daily, your daily life, no matter what you think, no matter how conscious you are of it. So when I was a kid, I had, a, I had an aunt, if she watches this or is watching, shout out to you, Aunt Deborah. She's, uh, she's like a great aunt for a lot of reasons, um, but the number one reason is she would take all of us cousins, me and my cousins and extended cousins, on like big trips. And so we'd go down, like we would go to Myrtle Beach. Everybody been to Myrtle Beach? You know what I'm talking about? Oh, it's like so fun. And, um, and we'd go down there, and my parents aren't involved, so she says, and she never had kids of her own, so she says, all right, like, we're going to do breakfast, and it's whatever chocolate treat you want. Isn't that good? So we hanging out by the pool, like, eating M&Ms, chocolate breakfast every day, all week. So terrible for you, and I loved it, every minute of it. Um, so... She's a great aunt, and, um, and one of the things that my aunt also did, she was a teacher, and she would take uh, school trips to this theme park. Um, and so this theme park, it's in Richmond, Virginia. I'm from Virginia. Uh, it's called King's Dominion, all right? It's a theme park in Richmond, Virginia. So when I was a kid, you know, we, we would prepare for this trip in advance, and I was always, like, so expectant and excited and ready to go on this trip. I mean, I would plan way far in advance. I would like figure out like all the details, everything I needed, right, to prepare. And, and I mean, everything as a kid, right? Do you remember those things that you had as a kid that you just loved to do? I mean, your world revolved around whatever that thing was. So my world revolved around that trip. And it didn't matter if, um, let's say, like I had to wake up at 5 a.m., which I normally did. Like I woke up at 4 a.m. Like I'm ready. To go, we're going to King's Dominion. Like, I'm going to go in Yogi Bear's cave. I'm going to go, you know, down, um, what, the Rebel Yell and go down whatever these, like, crazy roller coasters. The Anaconda. It went under the water. So I'm pretty excited about it. And everything was driven towards that moment. And it didn't matter, you know, some of the details, right? It didn't matter if I had to wake up early. It didn't matter if the bus was a little late. It didn't matter if the kids on the bus were really annoying and taking my video games. Give me back my Game Boy. I want to just play my Game Boy for two hours before we get to King's Dominion. Real story. So all those things did not matter because I knew where I was going. I was going to King's Dominion, and I was going to have the time of my life. And so all the things in between did not mess with me because I knew where I was going, and I knew what it was going to be like, and I was already living there. I was there. The king's dominion is where I'm going. So it's my belief that we have an issue in the modern church today. And the issue is we don't know the king's dominion. Like we don't know fully where we're going. We don't know where the story, how the, how the narrative is being played out on the earth. And often, the viewpoint that we have is very limited and very not biblical, to be honest. It's just, we're going to heaven. 
So we're going to die and we're going to go to heaven and be with God. And that's about it. I mean, isn't that, I mean, isn't that what a lot of you learned? That's what I learned. You're just going to die and be with heaven. And that's amazing, right? Okay, that in itself is amazing. But not compared with the reality of the king's dominion. Not compared with what God really has in store for the earth and for you and I. I mean, that's, it's selling us short. So understanding what God wants to do, how, how Jesus, our king, wants to rule and reign on the earth. Understanding where he's taking the earth, why he died, and where he, not just that he died for our sins, but he's taking the earth somewhere. That will fascinate the heart in such a way that you don't care how, what you wake up. You don't care what time you have to wake up. You don't care who's on the bus. The bus, by the way, I kind of think like represents heaven, right? It's like, like the bus is the entry point to the king's dominion. But you won't care who else is on that bus, how annoying they are, because you've got a vision of what God wants to do on the earth and you're so set on that that these little things won't trip you up. You're not even thinking about it. You're thinking about what God wants to do on the earth through you and I. You're thinking of the end times. But when I say that word, all of a sudden you have an idea of what that means. But the real end times, the new heaven and the new earth, that's where I'm going. Revelation 21, that's where I'm going. That's where the world is going. But do we perceive it? Do we understand it? Do we have an idea? And if you don't have an idea what I'm talking about, you need to have an idea. It's going to serve you well in the times ahead. It's going to serve you really well. And that's why I want to talk about it today. See, if you read the scriptures, it's crazy how much they talk about the end times and where the earth is headed. It's so prevalent. I mean, Mike Bickles always says 150 chapters on it. And I'm sure there is. I I I haven't read them all, but I believe them. 150 chapters about the end times. That's a lot of pages. <laughs> but the apostles themselves, they were driven by this vision for what God was going to do on the earth through them and in their era, but also in the age to come. They were driven by it. And somehow we think we can just get away with like, well, we're going to go to heaven one day and, and that's going to be enough to drive us to, to walk with God through the hard times. It's not enough. Like, we have to understand the bigger narrative, the big picture, what he wants to do on the earth. And I'm convinced the lack of urgency that we feel in the church about this era we live in is because we don't understand where things are going. If we understood it, there would be much more urgency in in our hearts and in our church. But let me tell you, there's going to be, and you've already experienced it, I'm sure, scoffers. People that say, well, Jesus says he's going to come back, but everybody thought that. Everybody. Paul thought it. Peter thought it. The last generation thought it. Everybody thought that. We don't really know. Who cares? Let's not even focus on it. You know, the Bible says that's a scoffer mentality. I'll read it to you. 2 Peter, go to 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 3 through four, or starting at verse three, 2 Peter three, starting at verse three. I'm gonna go beyond four. Here's what it says. 
Above all, you must understand that in the last days, I'll stop there, we are in the last days, all right? I mean, it could go on a lot longer here, so that's kind of, it's kind of like, what? Like, the last days have been going on for 2,000 years, but when Christ came on the earth, it entered us into the last days. So I'm not saying I know when those last days are going to end, but I know we're in them, <laughs> all right? Um, above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing. That's what scoffers do. They, they scoff. <laughs> and following their own evil desires. And here's what they'll say. They'll say, where is this coming, he promised. Even our ancestors died. Everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. I'm telling you, that is a prevalent thought pattern. You may have said it. I think I've said it before. I've been a scoffer. I'll admit it. At least I thought it. Verse 5. But they deliberately forgot that long ago, by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. They forgot. They forgot the biblical narrative. They forgot. By these waters also, the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. Talk about Noah. But they forgot the story. By the same word, by the same word, right, the word of God, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and the destruction of the ungodly. Oh boy, that really crashed and burned bad at the end of that text, right? That's intense. It's the word of God. So the scoffers forgot, didn't recognize what God had already done. How many of you know the earth used to be quite different? <laughs> I mean, it wasn't even watered the way it is now with rain, according to the scriptures. The earth was flooded, according to the scriptures. Massive shifts in the natural earth. We can't forget. God is, he's above all things. He can do things that in the natural world that we're not perceiving right now because we're natural people and we see the limitations of the world, but we know by his word he's done it before and he will do it again. So that's in part of what, of what Peter's talking about. Now, the good thing about all this is God does not want to keep his people in the dark. I'm going to say that again. God does not want to keep his people in the dark. You know how I know that? Because there is a massive amount of information in this book about what is to come. A massive amount. There's prophetic utterances all throughout the scriptures, some of which been fulfilled and some have, which have not. God did not give that to keep that book locked up in secret. He didn't give it to tease us about things that we might see or we might experience. He gave it to prepare us. He gave it because he wanted us to be informed. Man, that makes me want to read my Bible, doesn't it? There's mysteries in here, and they're not just to be mysterious. They're to be discovered. They're to set us up to prepare us for what God wants to do on the earth. There's no podcast that can give you what the scriptures give you. There's no like modern new teaching that, that is deeper, more revelatory than the Bible. It doesn't exist. It's why the Bible is the most popular book in the world. <laughs> so I hope today, if, if, if anything, I might not have all the answers. You might disagree with some of my viewpoints but you'll go in the word and seek these things out for yourself. That's what matters. 
Seek out what is God's plan for the earth. And, and that means for you and me. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 9 and 10. And I'm going to prove to you that God wants to reveal secrets. Chapter Ephesians 1, verse 9 and 10. He made known to us the mystery of his will. It's Paul writing. The mystery of his will according to his good pleasure. Isn't that good? It's God's pleasure to reveal mysteries to us, to reveal his will to us. I want to pray that so much more in my life for a house of prayer. God, would you reveal the understanding of your will? I want to know the will of God. It'll drive my prayers. It'll drive my daily actions if I know your will. If I know what you're doing on the earth, oh my gosh, it'll change everything. That's a great prayer for us to pray. It's his, uh, I'm getting caught up in this verse. Now we're going back. To his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. All things in heaven and on earth coming under Jesus. All things. Heaven and earth are coming together. That's a massive paradigm shift. They're becoming unified, one, under Christ. And the Bible says there should be a new heaven and a new earth. Wait, what? I thought I was going to heaven, but now you tell me there's a new heaven and a new earth. So the heaven is just the bus, and the king's dominion looks different. Because <laughs> I'm not just remaining in heaven. There's a new heaven and a new earth. You follow me? There's a whole other world, the new Jerusalem. There's a, a whole other world that we haven't, most of us, thought about, conceptualized. And it's in this book for you and I to, to discover with him. And it's what drove the apostles to do the things that they did, to lay their life down, to flip the world upside down. This narrative drove them. We have to know this narrative. There's an urgency. I don't want to be a scoffer. God, forgive me when I scoff. God's not looking for people that are going to see the things happening in the world and just throw their hands up and say, well, you know, this is what God's going to do what he's going to do. This is just it. That's not what God's looking for. I know that because why would he tell us unless he wanted us to be involved? Like, why would he give us all these details if we had no role to play? When I tell my kids things, it's because I want them to know, because I want them to apply it. <laughs> but God's also not looking for people that mix our own viewpoints with the word of God. And we just think, well, you know, things are just going to get better because God's good. He is good, but his word does not say things are going to get better. It doesn't. I can't... <laughs> Take it up with the Bible. Like, don't take it up with me. The word says things are going to get darker, but guess what? They're also going to get lighter at the same time. There's going to be an increase of darkness. There's going to be an increase in light. So we don't want to just view it from one angle and just think it's all light. And then when darkness comes, you're like, what? God must not be prepared. Like, what's God doing? We get disillusioned. Many in the church have been disillusioned by the seasons we're living in right now. 
It's throwing them off. And I get why it is, because your theology is things are just going to get better and better. So why is it not getting better? What is going on? And it throws you off. But on the other side, if we're, all we're looking at is darkness, darkness growing, and we don't think we have any control over it, we don't think we have any role to play, you just give up. I mean, many in the church believe for a while, and some, it's still very prevalent, that we're going to get raptured one day before any, before any of the end times goes down. I'm telling you, there's no scriptural support for that. That idea was, it was made up in the 1800s by a guy named John Darby. Um, and so, anyway, I'm not going to get into that. It's a whole thing. But I'm just going to challenge that idea and go look for it yourself. Go, go look at the scriptures if you hold to that viewpoint and say, do the scriptures, do they hold weight? Like, are we going to be raptured before, before you know, the end times, um, before the great tribulation? So some of you are like, what is he talking about now? So I'll, I'll digress. Um, but... We have to know the word, all right? And if you really dig into this, like, you'll say, ah, maybe there's not enough scriptural support for that position. Now, in this house, we are a prophetic people, right? We we have a high value for the prophetic. We're teaching a whole class on it. We're going to the voice of the prophets, you know? We believe in the prophetic. We don't despise it. We think it can be abused for sure. But it's something that's really important to the DNA in this house, to the DNA of the church at large, because the Bible says so. But as a prophetic people, I believe we've gotten too wrapped up in the personal prophetic, in what, what has God called each and every one of us to, which I'm all for. I really, I'm all for it. It's changed my life. And some of the church doesn't even realize they have a part to play, that they can have a personal prophetic journey with God. And, I mean, Paul himself went to Rome and, and died, laid his life down because he had a prophetic understanding that he needed to go and release the gospel in the middle of the Gentile world. Like that prophetic promise for his personal life drove him, even when the prophets are saying, you're going to die in Rome. He's like, yes, I will. And that's why I'm going to go. So personal prophetic matters. But how many of you know that Paul's understanding of his personal prophetic storyline was in the context of his understanding of the larger prophetic narrative? We ha- prophetic people understand the prophetic narrative for the world. That's part of what being prophetic is. Man, I did not seen that. I, I, I did not know that <laughs> until, I don't know, not too long ago. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm getting these prophetic words, which are good, and I'm holding on to that, and some of them are true and right, and some of them I'm throwing out which you should, don't take every prophetic word, but I'm not understanding the context with which I'm receiving these words is in the prophetic storyline of God and the new heaven, the new earth, and his redemptive plan for the earth. And if I don't understand the big picture, I will not understand my own prophetic picture. So we gotta step back and see the big narrative and how much more so than can we delight and, and enjoy and understand our own personal callings in God. Jesus gave us understanding about where things are going. I want to read Matthew chapter 24, starting in verse 3. So the words of Jesus himself is recorded by Matthew. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? 
Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. He's telling you up front what's coming. He's telling that generation, and there's details for them in this, about the destruction of Jerusalem, but he's also telling our generation and the ones that are here now and the ones that are to come, and my children's children and your children's children. He's telling us so that we won't be alarmed. Such things must, must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these things are the beginning of birth pains. Say, Jesus, these aren't good things. I thought your kingdom's coming. These aren't good. But he's telling you, no, these things will happen. I'm faithful. My plan will be fulfilled. The king will have his full dominion on the earth. So you can be confident even when you see these things. I'm in charge. And Jesus is going to sit at the right hand of the Father. And he is here petitioning, interceding for us right now. And the fulfillment of everything he said will come to pass. I mean, in this hour that we're living in right now, we got to know that. When we see wars, rumors of wars, or we see these things stir up, we got to know Jesus is faithful and his way will come to pass. I mean it. And I, when, when things stir in the earth like they are now, when you see the shaking, you have to ask yourself, am I feeling the shaking inside of my soul? And if you are, then it's time to go back, come and under the refuge of the Lord and come and get, get to a place of right understanding. Get in his heart. Because things will shake on the earth, but you and I will not be shaken in Christ. We will not. And if you experience it, don't let it mess with you. Let it drive you to him. Let it drive you to understanding. Because you just don't have understanding. It's not a matter of his faithfulness or security. It, it, it's real. But we have to come underneath it. Underneath his leadership. Um, verse 9. And this is where it gets personal. Then you. Uh-oh. Before it was just like, you know, famines and earthquakes and like, External things. Now it's you. Okay. You will be handed over to be persecuted, put to death. I mean, if some of us got persecuted and put to death, we'd be like, that's not God. <laughs> we would. <laughs> but he says it's going to happen. And it did happen to the men he's talking to. And you will be hated by all nations because of me. That one is really stinging. All nations don't hate Christians, not yet. The Bible says they will. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and they will betray and hate each other. That one messes me up. Seriously, that's like, so let's let these things like impact us, you know? And not just like throw these like end time sort of statements out. Like this is a real thing that's going to happen on the earth. And we may live through it. I don't know. And it's deep. And it's, it, if, it, if it hurts my heart, how much more does it hurt his heart? The love of most. Wait, I, I skipped ahead. And, um, and we'll betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one 
who stands firm to the end will be saved. Praise God that this thing's starting to go up, you know? Because <laughs> it's going down, and then you throw in that last part, and you're like, oh, thank God. You're doing something, Lord. But we can't throw out that middle piece. You know, I was telling you this story about how my kids eat trail mix, you know? I was telling this a while back. They eat their trail mix, and they, there's all sorts of nutritious things in the trail mix, but they just eat the chocolates, that's all they eat. And the scripture is like a bag of trail mix. Like there's all these different, and they're, they're all, the nutritional value is in the entire bag. But if you just go and you pick the verses that are sweet to you, you're not going to get the nutritional value of the Bible. You won't. And, I, and as, a, as a company, we want to know what we're reading. And we're responsible for encouraging one another in the truth. So it's not about, oh, you don't understand the Bible. It's about, no, I, you and I have to understand the word so we can do the things in it, so we can fulfill what God has called us to do. It's not about being right. It's about being prepared to be his people, to be his bride. I'm not trying to fight people over scripture. I want people to be prepared, and I want to be prepared. So if I'm wrong, tell me. And if you're wrong, I'll tell you, and I'll tell you in love. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. Praise God. And the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. So you got all these crazy things going on. But hey, somehow in the midst of all that, the light is shining brighter than ever because the gospel is going forth to all nations. So I personally don't understand all the details of this. You can go in the book of Revelation, and there's more detail on how some of these facets will play out. And there's various interpretations on how that will look and what that will be. But I know these words of Christ are true, and that these things will take place. And I know that the gospel will be preached to the ends of the earth in one way or another. The darkness will increase, but the light will increase at a faster pace. Because that's what light and darkness do. That's how they relate. <laughs> So I want to be in alignment with God's redemptive plan, with his will. I want to understand it to the best of my ability and be in alignment with it. Um, you know, there's a, when I first came to New York, there was this guy, I used to go to church here. Some of you will know him. Uh, I won't, his name's Brian. Um, and a long time ago. And he, I met with him for a coffee once in um, Lower East Side or somewhere. And he's like, an, like a writer, and he's really expressive. And so we're getting coffee and we're talking about things. And he starts going in this whole bit on the end times. And he's like, yeah, Colt. And then, and then you know, what's gonna happen? The glory of God's gonna come down and we're, all the people are gonna run in the caves. And he's like acting this out, right? Like in the coffee shop. And they're gonna be in the caves. They'll be screaming out, God, like, no, let the rocks fall on me. And he's going through this whole bit about the end times. And I'm like, dude, this guy's crazy. <laughs> like, what is he talking about? Like, I've been reading the Bible a while. Like, I don't know what he's talking about. And all these people are looking at us. This is really awkward and weird right now in this tiny little coffee shop. And afterward, Vanessa was there too, my wife. And I was like, that guy's crazy. And she's like, I, know, I don't know what he's talking about. And, um, and then I start reading my Bible. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is in the Bible. Like, 
I was just eating the chocolates. I didn't eat the full trail mix. And I thought, he's not crazy. Maybe I am. Maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I don't understand the intensity of the things that are to come. And maybe he understands something I don't. So we could learn. We could learn from people. Don't, don't throw off people just because they're really into the end times and it's intense. Sometimes you should put them off, to be honest. But <laughs> test it, test it, okay? There's, there's some problems. There's some issues out there. Um, but we got to know that there's, there's some intense things coming, and it's hard for us to grapple with. But it's in, it's in the Bible, and it's something that we need to digest, okay? Um, so God made the earth to be reconciled back to him. And so I want to read uh, Colossians 1, verse 15 through 20, just to give us a picture of like, why is this happening? And, and, and a little more context for it. Um, so Colossians 1, verse 15, the son, that's Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the, first, the firstborn over all creation. For in him, here we go, all things were created. All things are created in Christ. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. All things are created in him, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. Do you get why he might be the reconciler of all things? All things were created through him and for him. That's an important worldview for us to grab a hold of. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. So that in everything, everything, he may have the supremacy. Not just in you and I, everything. Every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. Not just the believers, not just those of us that believe. Everything. Here's the kicker. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, Jesus. All his fullness. And through Jesus, to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. This is what I'm talking about today. All things are being reconciled back to God because he holds all things together. Because Jesus holds all things together. He created all things, they're all for him. So when they come into their purpose, they get reconciled back to God. So you want to see a picture of where things are going. We're going to turn to Isaiah chapter 2, verse 2 through 5. Because right now we see the nations at war. We see what's going on with Russia and Ukraine and, and maybe beyond that. You, we see what happens when men assert their own authority and men attempt to do whatever they want to do based on their own desires. We see it right now. It's very much in front of us. But what happens when Jesus takes the throne and it's in his fullness, when the king of kings comes back to earth because he will return. That's what we're talking about. The coming, the, the coming of Christ, his second coming. What does that look like? And Isaiah 2 gives us, gives us a prophetic insight for what it's going to look like. All right? Verse 2. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills, and all nations will stream to it. Many peoples will come and say, Come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways, so we may walk in his paths. 
The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between the nations and will settle disputes for many people. So this is talking about the millennial kingdom. Like, that's the way many read this text. You might read it differently, but that's the way I see it. Millennial kingdom. And that's the thousand-year reign of Christ, which is spoken about in the book of Revelation. And so Jesus is going to come, and it says, judge between the nations in Jerusalem, settle disputes for many people. So he's going to be the king of the earth that we know he is, but he's going to actually reign on the earth for a thousand years. So right already, like you've lost some of your, maybe I've lost people in here and you lost some of your neighbors, like in New York. Like if you tell them you believe this, they'd be like, what? Are you kidding me? Like, yeah, that's what the Bible says. And they might laugh at you. And I hope they do. Because that means you're being honest with the word and you're not afraid to articulate the things of God. You're not ashamed of what we believe. This is normal Christianity. Like, this is what the Bible says. It's going to happen. But I love this part. This is the second part, or maybe this is, whatever verse this is, I'll keep reading. They will beat, this is, this is what will happen when Jesus rules and reigns on the earth. This, this, the counsel that he's giving the nations will result in this. They will beat their swords into plowshares. They're taking their swords and they're making them in agricultural, you know, whatever a plowshare is. They're going to plow stuff with it, I presume. We're not in, you know, agrarian age here. I don't really know. And their spears will be turned into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Come, descendants of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. We know the Lord's heart is for peace, and we we don't know exactly the counsel he's going to give the nations, but it will result in peace across the world. It will result in nations taking their military budgets and putting them into agriculture, putting them into feeding and caring for their people. That's what the counsel of God, and that's his will, and that's his heart. And we can pray that with confidence in this season. He is the prince of peace, and he is establishing peace on the earth. And I don't care what wars or things we see now, we pray, God, would you establish your peace on the earth? We pray, God, would your kingdom come, your will be done here on this earth? Because we know you're the Prince of Peace, and we are, we, you've called us to be peacemakers here on the earth. So these things, they do influence us in the natural now, in the present, I mean. But it's also knowing where things are going so we can remain confident even when things get crazy. You can say, no, the Prince of Peace is going to be on the throne. He's going to make it right. So we see the same uh, verse. You can check out Micah, um, the same vision, Micah 4, verse 1 through 3. Um, same vision in a little different way, but pretty much pretty similar word for word is presented there. So the nations are going to be discipled by Jesus. You know, Mike Bickle's got an interesting point on this. He says that God's kingdom in this sort of millennial moment in Isaiah 2 is going to be manifest all over the earth and that you're going to see like all the different spheres of influence. Like Jesus is, is, is discipling the nations. So he's influencing politics, economics, agriculture, education, social institutions. They're getting counsel from Jesus himself and taking it to the nations. So it's, it, we're talking about Jesus preparing for the new heaven, the new earth. Like we're talking about Jesus laying a foundation of righteousness. And it's a city of righteousness. That's where we're going. The new, the new Jerusalem is a city of righteousness. And he's laying that foundation here during the millennial kingdom and he's presenting it to the nations of the earth, and they're taking it, and they're applying it. 
That is so much better than we're just going to heaven one day. And in fact, the Bible says that there's going to be those that rule over cities, over, over nations that are, went through the tribulation. They're going to be doing this with Jesus. I mean, this partnership that exists between us and God is astounding. It's tough to, to even perceive. It's, it's wild. Because he's doing this with us. And Bickle would say, and I, that makes sense to me, that we're ba- he's basically, Jesus restoring the earth back to the Garden of Eden. How cool is that? The original purpose of the earth to flourish like the Garden of Eden, he's going to do it with the leadership of Jesus, with the participation of the saints all across the nations. Man. The king's dominion is so much better than the bus. I mean, I love the bus, but the king's dominion is so much better. So I want to close by listing a few few, um, areas that where I see the knowledge of God's plan to redeem the earth that knowledge, like what that can do in a person, in you and I. When we have that knowledge, that understanding, and honestly, we'll be off. Like, I'm sure we're not gonna fully discern the biblical text, but that's not the point. Perfection is not the point. The point is to understand the best of our ability, what Jesus gave us and told us, what his prophets have spoken to us so that we can fulfill our role on the earth. And that's what we're responsible to God for. That's what we'll go one day. And like, how did you love? How did, did you walk out the things I had for you? That we're accountable to that. Um, so, so there's, I have like, I have a bunch of them. We'll just see how many I go through because <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap up soon. So here's one. So the knowledge of God's redemptive plan, what, is, what does it do? One of the things that it does, the knowledge of God's redemptive plan dispels fear. Dispels fear. Everybody wants to know where things are going, what's going to happen next, Right? Everybody on Wall Street, everybody that does anything, any human being, it's just, you're built that way. God, I want, I want to understand, not even God, I just want to understand what's going to happen tomorrow, right? We all want it. But when we understand God's redemptive plan, when the things happen that God says will happen, and they will, there's not fear in our heart. There's no place for fear. We're not getting tossed around. You know, um, David Slyker at, at uh, IHOP, he says this. He says, fear causes you to go inward in a place of self-protection because of uncertainty related to tomorrow. You don't know how things are going to turn out, so you let fear have a heyday in you. How many of y'all made decisions out of fear? How many of those decisions were good decisions? (laughs) None of mine. None of mine were. Maybe God, he'll redeem them still, but they're not good decisions. So having an understanding, having a knowledge of God's redemptive plan for the earth dispels fear in our life. So important. Um, Second one, knowledge of God's redemptive plan keeps us investing in the eternal things. We want to invest in the things that matter, that are eternal. And how can you invest if you don't know where the earth is going, if you don't know what matters to God, if you don't know what he's doing in the earth? If you don't know that, you'll invest in temporal things. You'll put your time, your energy, your money into things that just don't last beyond the earth. But if you know where he's going, if you know what's important to his heart, you'll invest in the things that are eternal, that are beyond this earth. That's why the apostles laid their lives down. That's why you and I should lay our life down for Jesus. Because we're looking beyond this earth. You know, Abraham was looking for a city beyond this earth. We're not citizens of the, we're citizens of heaven. 
And, and that's where we're going. And so I want to read uh, 2 Peter. I read a little bit of 2 Peter earlier. I'm going to keep going. 2 Peter verse 3, or chapter 3 rather, um, starting at verse 10. 2 Peter 3, starting at verse 10. But the day of the Lord, here we go again, the day of the Lord will come like a thief. Now this is talking about the day, not the days, not the last days. The day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire, and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in that way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to, be, you ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. The day will bring about destruction of the heavens by fire, and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. Y'all know that song? I want to see the city where righteousness dwells. I don't even know who sings that song. I just know it. <laughs> I want to see the temple. Human hands have not built. I went back street on that one. Who sings that song? Somebody tell me. John Thurlow. Of course he does. I love that guy. Man, I'm sorry, John. Um, he's been here before. I should know this. Um, but the city where righteousness dwells, looking ahead, and, it, and I love what it says. It says, you ought to, in light of this, you ought to live godly lives, holy lives, because we're looking for something eternal that's not on this earth. You know something else that's eternal? You and I. People that know, they've given our lives to Jesus. We are eternal. These relationships are not temporal. Isn't that crazy? So we don't want to invest in people, the men and women of God. Wouldn't you want to invest in that? Because these are, and at the same time, all right, we're talking about all the good stuff, right? How the new heaven, the new earth. But how many you know, before the new heaven and new earth, and it's referenced here, there's judgment. That's also in the Bible. There is a day of judgment, which is being referenced here. There's a day, there's, there's a throne that everyone will stand before. And those that reject Jesus, and sometimes we view it, I think, in this wrong way of like, they're like, please, Jesus, take me back. And he's like, nope, like, like, no, these people outright reject God, right? And some of you in this room could be in that same position where you just, maybe you don't know, or maybe you just don't want anything to do with Jesus. But there will be a judgment day, and those that reject him will be judged, it's real. It's a Bible 101. You can't, you can't get around it. You don't get a new heaven and a new earth without a judgment day. It comes after. So we can't downplay this reality and we can't act like it's not happening, you know? And it changes how we respond in the present. It changes how we reach people. It changes how we talk to people in light of where things are going. My God, would you show them, would you reveal to them your heart? Because I want to tell them now so they can, they can receive you now and not have to deal with the day of judgment. Now that message, I feel like, is just, it, like, because different people have preached it in a, different, in a certain way, we get a little desensitized to it. But there's truth in it, there's a reality, there is a day, and there will be a judgment. And we have to be able to grapple with that now so that we're not afraid of it and so that what we do in the present sense actually matters in the eternal place that we're going. Souls coming into the kingdom matter. We've been talking so much about a harvest season 
it matters. God says he wants all to come to the kingdom. He wants everybody in. His heart is that all would be saved. It's basic Christianity, but sometimes we just hear that message and we just shut down to it. I'll be honest. We just don't want to say it. It sounds too intense. It sounds like we're trying to scare people into the kingdom. We're loving them in by telling them there will be a day of judgment. My Bible says that I know it will happen. And I care about you. And I want you to know that you need Jesus for that day. Follow his leadership for that day and for, and for now and for eternity. Worship team, could you all come on up? So knowledge, knowledge of God's redemptive plan, I'll go through my points, dispels fear, first point. Knowledge of God's redemptive plan keeps us investing in eternal things. Knowledge of God's redemptive plan leads us into partnership with God. We're receiving knowledge so that we can be a part of what God wants to do on the earth. Not just so we can know and be an insider, so we can participate. You know, pagans at the time of um, Christ, the first century, they, they, it was so hard for some of the Gentiles who were coming out of, you know, uh, you know polytheistic you know, lives. It was so hard for them to understand a God that they weren't just supposed to appease. Like they, what they knew is like you have all these gods and you got to appease the gods in order to not have crazy things happen in your life, in order to satisfy the, the, whatever their appetites are. So it's all about manipulation. That's all the, the first century Gentiles, like they had to get over that concept of God. Like they thought they had to please him and that, and they thought gods were there to get what they wanted. And let me tell you, our God is, is not here to get what we want. We're here for God to receive all that he paid for on the cross. And we're here to partner with him. He wants our participation, not our appeasement, not just going through things to try to please God. He's like, no, I want you to be part of my plan. That is so different than how even in the modern era we look at God sometimes. We think, I just want to please God. He's saying, no, I want you to be part of what I'm doing. My ministry, the ministry of Jesus is now our ministry. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 18, says all of this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and now what? Gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Once again, that's his heart, that people's sins would not be counted against them. And he has committed to us, to you and I, the message of reconciliation. We have the message of reconciliation. We are the messengers. You, that is a great thing to pray. God, make me a reconciler of people. God, that, that, I, that the things you want to reconcile in the earth, Lord, would you use me to help reconcile those things back to God? Not just wait for what God's going to do, but be a part of it now in the present. Because the kingdom of God's advancing. It's not that we're just waiting for this aha moment. There will be a moment. But there's an active participation for the church right now. And it matters what we do. It matters how we love. It matters if we share the love of Jesus with people. It matters. Understanding the prophetic storyline does not change. It should drive us to want to participate more, to want to lean in more, to understand our role in this storyline. If everybody could just stand for me. I want to read 
Revelation 21. Because this is where things are going. And this is the good part of Revelation. So don't worry. But I just want everybody, if you just close your eyes, and on, and on uh, YouTube as well, just close your eyes. And I want to take us to that moment so we can get our hearts anchored in what God's doing, in his plan, in his will for the earth. This is his will for the earth. This is his idea. This is where things are going. Revelation 21, verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven and the first earth had passed away. There was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eye, and there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Lord, we thank you that your word is true. We thank you, Lord, that you're redeeming the earth. We thank you, Father, that you're giving us the endurance to handle the injustice on the planet, that you're giving us the love and joy and hope and peace in Christ, even as we wait for the fulfillment of your kingdom. Lord, I pray you would deepen our understanding of your heart, that we would not become jaded by the things we see and attribute them to you in a false sense. That we would not mix and confound worldly ways with godly ways. Lord, help us to know your heart. Lord, help us to be a part of your kingdom narrative. God, we repent for places where we've we've put our narrative above yours, where we've sought our narrative and we haven't understood yours. And God, I pray today for those on YouTube or in this room that don't know your heart, that don't know your ways, that don't know this narrative. God, that you would draw them unto you. God, that you would sign them up for the greatest journey, for the purpose that they were made for, for life abundant, a life that may be hard, but it's fulfilling. And it's not lonely. I feel there's, there's those in this room and on YouTube somewhere, there's a, there's a loneliness in your heart and it's because you don't know him. It's because there's a, there's a feeling of purposeless and hopelessness in your heart and it's because you haven't heard this narrative. And I wanna encourage you, you have a role to play. 
We're talking big, big narratives, but God gives individual assignments. You have a role to play. So I thank you, God. Give us the macro and give us the micro. Give us an understanding of where you're going, where things are going, but let us know that we have a role to play, a life to live, the fullness of life in Christ. In Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed the message. You can also follow us on Instagram at LifeCenterNYC or YouTube at LifeCenterChurchNYC.